0: .NET Rocks episode 677 with guests Chris Hardy, Bruce Lawson, Jonas Falasso, and Aral Balkan. Recorded live Thursday, June 9th, 2011. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter, And now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now here are Carl and Richard.
1: Hey, Oslo! Welcome to .NET Rocks! 45,000 people in this room. (laughs) Yeah,
2: who knew? Every programmer in in Norway's here. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm good. It's been a long day, though. We've been doing a lot of shows.
1: Yeah, punchy. We're punchy.
2: I like it that way. Of course,
1: and our fans do, too. Hey, we are here in Oslo, of course, at NDC 2011 at the Oslo Spectrum in Oslo, Norway, with an esteemed panel, and we're going to be talking about mobile applications. But before we can do that, we need the panel to introduce themselves. So go right ahead and tell everybody who you are.
3: Oh, hi, I'm Bruce Lawson. And I work for Opera, who uh, make Opera Mobile and Opera Mini for the uh, for the mobile phones.
2: Awesome. And a great HTML5 book, I might say. I, Why, thank you, sir. I, I picked up a copy and gave it a peruse. Only one copy. Yeah, well, only one so far. I'm, I mean, I'm saving up for Christmas. But Dude, I, excellent. I, just say, you know, do it in. Actually, I, I need more insulation in my wall, so maybe I'll <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Thank you, Bruce, for coming on the back.
4: Hi, uh, my name is Aral Balkan, and I'm a user experience designer and developer, and I mainly make uh, iPhone apps.
1: Doesn't mean Clapton.
4: Yeah, yeah, apparently. Yeah. yeah, We were singing together last night. Absolutely. Mm That's cool. On a boat. Yeah. It's kind of like the old Spice ad. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's good.
0: And... um... My name is Jonas Vodose. I work for Beck Consulting. I'm a software developer mainly on the Windows platform, but more and more lately I'm flirting with the other side using tools like Monotouch, uh, developing a little bit for the iPhone, and looking into other stuff as well.
5: Uh, I'm Chris Hardy. Uh, I work for a company called Great Fridays in Manchester, and I kind of do a lot of bunch of uh, Monotouch work, Mono for Android, Windows Phone 7, and, and mobile sites as well. So. So we got
1: Android, we got Monotouch, we have iPhone, we've got Windows Phone, right? We've got web. We've got web. What else is there? HTML5. Yeah, HTML5. And I know Bruce, you're you're HTML5 guy.
3: Yeah, I can be HTML5 man for the for the hour if you like. Any Silverlight guys in the world? Join us. You you just can do it. it. I'll take it on. I'll
0: just give a session about Mono, which is. uh, Close to that platform, so I'll, I'll take another one.
4: Woo!
0: <laughs>
1: that's the way we're going to start, is it? That's where,
0: that's
2: where we're going. Okay.
0: Uh, I'm just preparing myself for the beating.
2: I mean, it, the challenge here is uh, can we really write once run anywhere? I mean, is that the goal? No. All right, we're done. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. You've been a great audience. Yes. See you next time on Uh, Doc. Yes.
4: (laughs) Can can I elaborate on that?
0: Uh, Yeah. Please do.
4: (laughs) I think write once, run anywhere is like the biggest myth. And we've known that it's a myth for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think really what works is write once, optimize everywhere. Because in terms of the user experience, you need to optimize for whatever platform, device, etc. it's running on. You can't just run. You can write once, run everywhere, but it won't run everywhere well. And that's important.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with Aral there. You can write once and it will run everywhere, whether it runs uh, giving a seamless experience with the platform. It's is another thing. On the other hand, running but not optimally is better than not running at all.
1: Well, we're really only talking UI here, after all, right? Isn't the ultimate modern application going to live in the cloud and going to run somewhere else, and we're just you know, accessing that through a shell?
0: I guess that's part of it. Like, more and more of our applications are talking to back-end services, getting data, connecting different cloud services. But at the same time, you need to have all that code on the UI layer to get that great user experience. And I actually do agree with Arav that you need to optimize for each platform. And that's why the MonoTouch and bringing C-sharp and .NET to uh, iPhone and Mono for Android is pretty interesting because you can take the piece of code that does not involve the user experience, so getting that REST data, getting it into model objects, polluting the UI, but at the same time, you're using the exact same UI components. So the UX will be indistinguishable, Since you're using the native platform versus some kind of abstraction like, for instance, Flash. Yeah. What's
1: interesting about MonoTouch and and the Mono for Android is that we have C Sharp for the iPhone, we have C Sharp for the Android, now it's C Sharp for the Windows phone. It's funny, isn't it?
5: Yeah, it it took a long time. And it's also a a pretty uh, limited subset compared to MonoTouch and uh, Mono for Android. Yeah. Yeah. so you don't have direct access to write files to the system, and um, you don't have synchronous download files right. or download strings, so you have to always do it asynchronously. So I mean, they're stopping you from shooting yourself in the foot, but sometimes you want to be able to have that access as well. So it's. And and you wanted to say something.
4: I was just going to say before we go too far, um I, I think there was a comment made about uh the bits of the app that don't impact the user experience. And I think part of the fallacy that we fall into, or, or the fallacy that we fall into, is is uh that we think that there's a separation between things that affect the user experience in an app and things that don't, whereas everything does. It, you can't separate the back end from the front end. Your back end will impact the user experience.
2: So the point being, user experience is not just UI. Exactly. It's the whole experience. Exactly. Okay. Is it the architecture,
1: the back end, that's going to affect differently? Or when I make, a, when I make a, a, a REST call on Android, is it going to result in different UI than if I make the same REST call on a Windows phone?
4: I think it depends on your focus. So um, it depends on when you start a project, for example, what are you worrying about? Are you worrying about your own needs or are you worrying about your user's needs? If you're worrying about your own needs, you're probably going to start from the back end. You're going to think, what's my database schema going to look like? What's my API going to look like? You're not even thinking about the user at that point. And yet the decisions you're making are going to, affect, are going to have an effect on the system and are going to have an effect even on the UI
1: layer at that point. Are they going to have a different effect on my Android than they are on my iPhone? They may do.
4: They may do. We like to think of them as really separate because that makes it easy for us. Mm-hmm. But really, it might. The way you consume that data on one platform may differ uh, from another and how you optimize it.
0: Just to add in kind of from a coding perspective, that also makes a little bit of sense because it's, it depends on, for instance, getting that rest, making that REST call affects the UI because you need to wait for the data to get back in. And one platform may have a very efficient XML API that it's faster to parse data than, say, another platform where you should use plain text or, or JSON. But at the same time, again, another case for using C-sharp and .NET on the different platforms is that you may, may, very well may end up with even a better user experience in terms of the non-visuals, getting mm-hmm. the data, not screwing up the mm-hmm. non-visual aspects of the app. Because you get things, for instance, like garbage collection. A lot of native iPhone apps may run out of memory after running mm-hmm. some time and getting a shitty user experience because of that. So saying that you have to use the... Uh, vendor-provided language in order to get a good user experience. I'm, I'm not sure if that's true, but I do agree that you need to use the local UI layer and local UI widgets to get mm. kind of like the true native experience. So, so, so yeah. absolute like right ones run everywhere for the entire app. Uh, I don't believe in either. Yeah. For, for for most type of apps. We we certainly want to reuse as much as we can. And it
1: sounds like if we're using Mono Touch and we're using Mono for Android and we're writing C-sharp code for the Windows phone in Visual Studio, how much of that code can commute between those three platforms? It, it
5: very much depends on, on how much uh, kind of native stuff you want to access. So if you're building something for Monotouch and you've got background services, or um, you know it, it uses push notifications, that's very specific to, to Apple, whereas if you're going to do something for Android... Uh, you might need to then take advantage of the way that Android does things differently yeah. to iOS. So it depends on what your app needs to do. So um, if
1: you have if you have those sort of client side service, uh, you know, I wouldn't call them business objects, but you know, the the sort of stuff that does the goo on the client side. That's mm-hmm. not UI. You
5: know, a lot of that can transmute between. Yeah, these two. certainly. Um, but then some stuff. If you try and play video, it's going to be different sure. uh, on different platforms. So if you've got a lot of video content in there. Um, then you're going to have to rewrite it for the different platforms. In the end,
2: isn't Monotouch still, you're using C-Sharp to call the Cocoa, right? You're you're still actually using Apple's library, so that's distinctive to that platform.
0: Exactly, and that's part of the point. Currently, we we talked about uh, reusing code, but there's also the fact of reusing skills and skill set, that instead of having to train your entire development organization in both C-Sharp for Windows Phone, Java for Android, and and Objective-C for uh, the iPhone, you could at least use the same skill set, even though you cannot reuse the same code. Right. Uh, use the same language, but you code against the Kukua Touch APIs. I guess the question is, how good is the code
2: that's being generated by MonoTouch? Like, is it apparent to someone who reads Objective-C that this
5: has been generated? Well, it doesn't generate any Objective-C code at all. So it either can pass down to ARM in terms of the .NET side, Mm -hmm. um, or it will call into the Objective-C side. So you've got Objective-C running, you've got the Mono framework running, and it will go to whichever makes best fit. So if you're going to be accessing the file system, it will be accessing those places um, via .NET as it would on any other device running ARM. Um, But then if you want to call in Objective-C, yes, there's going to be some slight overhead because you need to... Call into to see, but it's going to work just as native as uh, a normal uh, table view or something would be. Uh, you normally hear people complain that, "Oh, my t- my table view is really laggy when I when I scroll it," and, and that's because you're not doing it right, not mm. because it's Monotouch making it slow, because it's just as native as any other thing. My HTML5 friend over here is exploding. I know you're trying.
3: To- well, uh, <clears throat> I know this might be the wrong audience and the wrong panelist uh, colleague, so I'll I'll let you know now that next Sunday I'm doing my. Uh, Blue belt kickboxing grading, so <laughs> bring it on. But uh, we all seem to sort of be agreeing that you can't uh, write once and run anywhere and arguing the various merits of weird nonsense like C sharp versus Objective C. But we've got a really great platform that you write once and it runs everywhere and it's called the web. You know, websites will work for me on Opera on Ubuntu or Safari on a Mac or IE on a Windows machine. Um, and the whole trajectory of where web development's going is with the HTML5 thing uh, is towards interoperability and extending the web platform. It's not there yet, but you could argue that, uh, <coughs> excuse me, that native apps are an historical and accident and are a temporary fix until the web platform Gets there, leave it, RL. So uh, I I should take it. Actually, we don't have the reason we have things like PhoneGap, for example, is that you can't yet access native stuff on the platforms Mm -hmm. from uh, good old vanilla JavaScript. But that's coming. You know, eighteen months ago, there was no way to access GPS across devices. Now we have a trivially simple geolocation API. Um we're getting uh, a, a camera API whereby you can access the device camera from JavaScript on a website. Obviously, you have to grant it permissions, and there's privacy implications. But anybody who doesn't want to beat me up after this spiel, I will show you a demo of a website. My, that, th- uh,
2: my first thought was as long as people are running IE6, the web's not compatible.
3: Well, if Microsoft will do the decent thing and backport IE9 to Windows XP, then win, uh, then IE6 dies. So I'll, I'll leave that to our Microsoft friends if there's any in the audience. All right. I'm, I'm totally taking this one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the .NET Rock.
1: slap, Smackdown.
4: Blue belt. Blue belt. Okay. You're sitting right next to me, too. Uh, it's slightly World. intimidating. <laughs> All right. All um. right. You talk about native as if it 's a historic point in time, and it 's not so uh, I mean html five and uh, web standards have made amazing leaps forward. you know there was an era where it was just like the dark ages of html and and thankfully we 're last week now yeah um, thankfully we 're past that but native development is not standing still. So HTML5 or any cross-platform technology will necessarily by its nature be lagging behind what's possible in native. So um, I see where you're going with saying that native is kind of like this dinosaur a- accident. I-, I couldn't disagree with you more because native is pushing the boundaries of what's possible. It's great that we have a cross-platform technology like HTML5, but um, having just launched a site the other day after having not slept for a few days, um, I can tell you it doesn't work the same way across browsers. It's so much better. But there's so much you can do, but it's not just about rendering. I mean, we're so much into the aesthetics. Like, can it render the same way? We have responsive design. Will it render differently on on a mobile versus a desktop? How does it scale? Mm -hmm. How does it behave? The behavior of a site, an app, on a phone that's a touchscreen that you're using as you're walking in the street is fundamentally different to the behavior of an app on your desktop as you're sitting in your office, context is key. Mm-hmm. The ergonomics of it are key. So how do we adapt that? So there, it, I think it's a more comprehensive question.
3: Yeah, I, 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 I kind of agree, even though you couldn't disagree with me more. So that's kind of a, a paradox of agreement, <laughs> disagreement, but I do uh, agree with you somewhat. <laughs> it, it's true that if um, a group of engineers who work in a closed company who report only to a group of shareholders, dream something up. It's going to be faster in development than a, a cross-platform language like HTML5 or JavaScript or CSS. That, that's the nature of it. Um, however, I've completely forgotten what my point was. <laughs> no, I'm <my>, not.
4: <laughs> well, you were saying earlier that it's better if something runs even if it doesn't run well, yeah. Your point was that <laughs> it's it's better it's better that something runs at all than you know uh, rather than not running on a platform. And and I disagree with that because it's fine as long as you don't have competitors. Mm-hmm. But what happens the moment you get a competitor? So your first market, let's say, with an app because you've you've used a cross platform technology and you've gotten to ninety percent. But a competitor, because, say, they use the native technology, got to a 100% or 99%. And you're having a really hard time with that last 9% or 10% optimizing it.
3: But What but happens then? If you have 100% uh, UX marvelousness on an iOS device... And every everybody with an iOS device buys it. That's four percent of the world. If you have a, well, nine... you've
4: made millions. Do you care?
3: You've made three pence or half a krona <laughs> or something. That's what most people make with an iOS. Not app. if everyone buys it. I, 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 I know you it's have a. I know how you have a yacht in Brighton Marina. From this is uh, pure
1: gold, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. Pure gold,
3: perhaps. But dude, most people don't make any money from them. The money's made by volume, and with 100% of the planet as potential consumers, that's where the money can be.
1: This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET Ajax, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash freestuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to free slash now and take full advantage of the available free-of-charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting Rocks. So how do you make money with the web app stuff? With the web app
4: stuff?
3: You pass around a hat. <laughs>
5: <Okay>. <laughs> Phone gap. <laughs>
2: If you have a question, by me and you throw your hand up and let me bring the microphone to you.
3: Remy Sharp, co-author.
2: <laughs>
6: Remy. Okay. Um, how do you make money from a web app? FT.com. They're making money from their mobile web app. End okay. of that. Um, and the second thing, uh, just uh, what a role described. I mean, I was hearing what he was saying, but all I kept hearing was Flash gets there first to market. Flash is leading the way, and... It's exactly the same. They, it's not at all. Flash is a cross-platform technology. It, it's not completely. It bad. totally is. I mean, that that was the, that was but, why Flash was successful. And HTML5 is behind Flash, and now it's going beyond. And everyone kind of cried out, "Look, uh, HTML5 is alive, Flash is dead." I mean, it's not true, but it's a similar, um, a similar idea in terms of, you know, if, you, if you're if you one single company that can go and um, uh, innovate in one particular technology and you can add all the latest, greatest features like Adobe in Flash, then yeah, you'll have access to um, the accelerometer, or like Apple are doing with their, their phone. I think it's the same thing. HTML5 is behind, but it's like I said, 100% of the market not, um, not for.
4: I don't follow that because Flash is definitely behind. I mean, especially on devices today, Flash is suffering from exactly the same problem. It doesn't run well. It yeah. Well, five years ago, what Flash did well on the web was it allowed you um, to create a similar, almost exact experience across the three desktop platforms that it kind of supported, two desktop platforms and maybe three browsers. And today, they're trying to do that across hundreds of devices and failing. I mean, Air is a huge failure in my eyes. And I'm, I did Flash for 10 years. So um, I, I I don't know if that's a fair comparison with native. I think it's quite the opposite. Flash is the opposite of native.
3: I would point out as well that Remy's a green belt in origami. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you
4: know, you basically, I'm getting beat up at the end of this, is, is where this is going.
1: Uh, we just learned by talking to Ingo Rammer that Adobe Air is, uh, currently one of the only ways that you can package up an HTML5, uh, application and install it on Windows. HTML5 JavaScript CSS, package it up into an installable package, install it on Windows as an app. Sadly, there's
3: about 967 different ways you can do that. uh, Whereas all the browser vendors are loving each other very much when it comes to developing HTML5, they're all merrily um, disregarding each other's work when it comes to install apps. So you've got W3C widgets, which, full disclosure, Opera supports. You have uh, Chrome apps, which are like W3C widgets, but with the JSON manifest instead of XML. Firefox have something. There's Air. Um, yeah. it, it would be nice if the collegiality that uh, my esteemed browser colleagues have shown with the development of the language could also go into the development of install Yeah, I was, I was excited. It about saying I, love air, I was excited I like about idea. that
1: not because it was I thought it was the only one, but
2: because it's possible. It's possible. It's just possible yeah. in
3: nine hundred and seventy six ways, I and mean, it might
2: be nine seventy seven since we started talking. I, it was 500 when you started that sentence, actually, so that's really saying something. showing uh, amazing growth. I don't want to let PhoneGap go, speaking of this, so uh, I would like to hear Errol's rant about PhoneGap.
4: Oh, gosh. Okay, so the, the problem with PhoneGap is uh, what it does is it lets you create apps that look native, but... Using HTML components. So they're trying to look like, say on the iPhone, it's trying to look like an iPhone UI, but it's not. It's HTML. And so. Does the user so, care? Sorry? Does the the user, user really cares because they when they see something that looks like a, a local, a, a native component, they expect it to behave like a native component. And it doesn't? Right? And it doesn't because it's an HTML component. And it can't. It can't completely recreate that because it's running in a browser. It's an HTML component. So um, there are ways of doing it which are better, kind of like Accelerator Titanium, for example, which follows a a closer paradigm to the monotouch stuff, um, where you write JavaScript, but you're instantiating actual native components. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, if you're going to look like a rabbit, don't bark.
3: Right? Because people will be surprised. Oh, Ricoh, that's always useful advice. On exactly. I mean, just, you can take, if you take one thing home with you, yeah. you know. It's, it, it's interesting what you say, though, that users don't like it if it looks kind of native, but doesn't behave that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's an argument, actually, for web stuff not even trying to mimic native. It shouldn't. Exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I personally agree. I think... Uh, m- Few people have really jumped off a cliff because on the web you single click something, on a desktop you double yep. click things. People think, oh, that's the web and that's, uh, you know, my, my desktop. Um, and people uh, understand. And I think some things. frameworks
4: get that. Like, JQ Touch doesn't get it. It tries to look like an iPhone uh, uh, component, whereas JQ, jQuery Mobile gets it. Now they have their own look, yeah. which is good, because they have their own expectations.
5: Chris, you had a comment? Yeah, I mean, it still kind of looks like a, a kind of iPhone or Android smartphone Website, you know, but it's
4: different uh, enough that people don't have those native component expectations, true. which it's is good. Yeah,
2: you're not, you're not confusing the customer with some with not, not meeting their exactly. Expectations. Yeah. You're not
4: showing them something that
6: looks like one thing and then behaves like something else. Remy's back. So, um, er, you've, you've heard this before, anyway. In you, in PhoneGap's defense, at no point does it say it is trying to replicate any of the UI, and in fact, they say that they're not or that they're not. Planning in the short term to you're right, create. you sorry, any I UI mixed components. it up with
4: with JQ Touch, yeah. PhoneGap, because JQ Touch is used a lot with PhoneGap to create that. So JQ Touch is what I was really ranting against. Okay. Yeah, PhoneGap.
6: PhoneGap is tries just there to, the to Yeah, it, it it's there to expire itself. Once the browser provides all that technology, it won't have a reason to exist, which and is aim for that in the first place. So.
4: Yeah. Uh, so, but if you're using PhoneGap, use a UI component library or a framework like jQuery Mobile, which doesn't try to mimic the native components. Yeah. Thanks for that, Remy.
5: Yeah. I mean, we, we really like PhoneGap, uh, me and Jonas and, uh, for Monotouch and Monotouch for Android and Windows Phone 7, we've taken that abstraction they've created on, on the platform. So how to access contacts and how to get geolocation. We've, and we pulled it over to, to work on, on those Monotouch and all those platforms because the APIs are great. And it's, it's a way that you don't have to think about how does the native platform work, but it still uses all the native functions. Yeah, and, of
0: course, it's it's a kind of like the smallest common denominator. But in many apps, for instance, you need to take a photo, not much more. You need to bring up the camera, take the photo, and get the bytes back. And if that's all you need, then maybe like a subset like PhoneGap gives you the features you need. But if you need to do something more premium, you need to overlay something over the viewfinder or things like that, then you need to go full native. So, again, it depends on… I've
3: got a website on my phone that will do exactly
0: that. Okay. Can can you even manipulate the image bytes of yeah, the viewfinder. I won't to show you
3: this because uh, it's too far it's on, away. It's a radio. <clears throat>
0: I, I, I can take a picture of you
3: and what it is will the do facial recognition like? And then overlay a Mario moustache on you, which is obviously a, <laughs> a, a, a <laughs> <Yeah>. vital application. <laughs> That's what's, awesome. what's the performance
4: like? Because I've used the uh, the camera, for example, and there is a on an iPhone at least with PhoneGap. There's a huge delay from when you call it to when the camera comes up, to the point where if that was a native app, you'd think that it had hung.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like yeah, using the iPhone to make a call.
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's, yeah. There
1: you <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's, it's a crap phone. So it's a lovely little, does anybody, lovely little computer. Does anybody here not think that HTML5 is going to grow and get more powerful and, and get more standardized? Does yeah, oh, anybody well. not think that?
0: No. Not at all. Yeah, even, so, even Microsoft is jumping on it when the Windows 8 demos and yeah, they keep missing though, right? Yeah, they, at least they're yeah. trying. They're, they're jumping so,
4: towards it. They just keep going
1: off the side. So native it. app developers, do are you obsolete soon? Not at all. No. no and I yes, think, Remy says yes. Well,
4: uh, okay, and, and I think we need to also separate the development technologies from deployment and how th- something's deployed. Mm-hmm. I think HTML, CSS, and JavaScript are probably three of the most reusable, most valuable skills you can have today. And you can use them in native dev. You can have some of your code base in web, st- in web technologies mm-hmm. and reuse that. Are you going to deploy on the web is a separate question. Yeah. So I, I think, I think uh, web skills and web technologies, every developer today should know.
2: And you hinted, there was a little debate here, but I'd like to see where folks are at in terms of uh, uh, the viability of the app store as a revenue stream. Now, I mean, 400,000 iPhone apps. Now it almost seems like it's a lottery hit to get an Angry Birds. You know, that's just the exception. There's so much stuff in that store, I can't find anything.
4: Well, There's, there's oh a lot my, of shit there.
5: Yeah. Well, this is what's quite nice about Windows Phone, because even though there's not tons of people <laughs> no using it... No one's developed anything for it yet.
6: <laughs> <laughs> that's a feature.
5: But, I mean, there's there's only 20,000 apps in the store, so it's not hard to distinguish yourself from a really great app. And rumor has to, it there's at least that you know, many phones.
3: I mean, that's what's, that's what's great about the ZX81, because there's only yes. nine programs that run on it, so we should all run out and get one, I think.
5: <laughs> people, people are buying them and buying stuff on them. Yeah, so... This is where making money from
1: it. Well, seriously, Richard makes a good point. The The
5: app
0: store, is that the end-all, be-all of,
1: of sales for, for software developers?
0: At is a better option than what we had before, going out to different websites, buying software. Purchase software has been around forever and probably will be. Uh, and it's interesting to see, for instance, Apple starting to use the App Store to even do OS updates. Right. Uh, iOS 5, you buy it on the App Store. Yeah, you can't even get it on disk. So right. having a way to distribute native software, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's going to be long, around for a long time.
2: Well, and I also like the idea that that also makes them responsible for the updates too, that you don't have to own the updates. And I wonder where the consumer, and I recognize that nobody in this room or probably listening to the show is really a consumer. We're all too technical. I wonder how much the consumer values the sense of curation. That because it came from Apple, it's safer. Uh, because we look at what's happening in Android, and that's pretty much the opposite of safe.
4: But safe in what ways? So it can be safe in certain ways. No porn. Well, I I mean, at what, I I think there's a danger there as well. Uh, in that. No um, porn? No porn. (laughs) porn. Exactly. What the f*** (laughs) is up with that? No. Um, I
1: know this is a liberal country <laughs> and everything, but jeez. <laughs>
4: no, basically... <laughs> Basically, the danger there is: um, say that this model takes off, and it has. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like, like some day in the future, ninety percent of us have Macs instead of PCs. Let's say one day, so and many. Apple controls ninety percent of the apps that people can get. And, and her so iPhone select. still sucks. Well, well can't they- make a call, <laughs> <laughs> maybe for making phone calls, but. um, <laughs> They have a lot, that's giving them a lot of power. And mm-hmm. that's, that's part of this equation that scares me. On the one hand, as a user experience advocate and designer, I love it because now I can just, you know, getting an app is, is not this multi-step process where I have a download. Where did that go? Do I install it? Do I need to install it? dependency? Blah, blah, blah. But on the other hand, we're giving one company a lot of power.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it's, it's the Facebookization as well, right? That people tend to focus on one particular route and They keep wanting to use it that way, but honestly, I feel like the Apple App Store is the signs of the future for everyone. That is, they need to curate stuff out of there. It needs to be diminished in some way.
1: I think it should be run by the United Nations. What do you think? (laughs) Is that a good idea? Then, then how many fart apps would we have just to be just to be egalitarian?
2: (laughs) Uh, Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, you could have taken that. It was was not even going to go there particularly. Question over there.
6: Um, I was just wondering how you, uh, with Remy uh, mentioning
0: uh, FT and their app, uh, the web app, how would you guys see the app store uh, converting into that stuff? Where Apple would maybe, do do you see a point in time where Apple is actually curating web apps as well? Maybe trying to get the 30% on that stuff as well.
5: If they could, they the, would. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. And I bet they can, and They'll they try will. It. Yeah.
2: Uh, I, I don't have A- any web, doubt they're going to
5: the go that web. way. Web, yeah.
2: Redefine that. Remy? <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you're speechless. That's the strangest thing. I can't imagine that. <laughs> it's got nowhere to go. I mean, don't you think it's absolutely inevitable? Apple will find a way to do that and and one would argue that we want them to.
6: I wouldn't argue that. Yeah, they, I, they I wouldn't either. as a business it totally makes sense. Um, but like the whole reason the EFT kind of went screw Apple is a 30% on their their market. The re- the way that you make money is building a good product and and selling it properly. It's not just chucking into the app store and hoping that someone thumbed through 400,000 applications and goes, "Oh, that's a nice icon." You know, you you yeah, but
4: that doesn't <laughs> totally negate your ability to market your application yourself. Yeah, the,
6: the FT is the FT has a user base already. It already has subscri- subscribers. But how
4: many indiv- individual developers are are the FT?
1: What is the FT? <laughs> oh, sorry, it's the Times. Times. It's
6: the Financial Times is a very big um, London suit-wearing newspaper, if such a thing exists.
0: <laughs> Just to follow the whole kind of like Apple trying to monetize web apps. Um, I was, uh, there was a little bit of kind of like, uh, a lot of people were afraid that Apple was going to make web apps slower outside Safari to kind of like hinder that. It was that example, if you pinned an app to your desktop, you wouldn't get the same JavaScript performance. Apparently that was a bug that was going to be fixed, but is that something Apple could start, a bug, yeah. Is that something Apple could start doing, trying to kind of like hinder FT scenarios by making the web no, I think it
4: would be against everything they're trying to do. Yeah. They the webs are everywhere, right? So yeah. and well, so and, is paranoid. They're trying to create a beautiful user experience, yep. right? And, and that means that everything you want to work on that platform just works beautifully.
2: But I, so I would, I'd point out well, that that originally, in this,
4: in, in this day and age, do we
2: care? Not
0: really. I
2: don't. I would, I would point out that originally, Steve Jobs didn't want an app store, didn't want native apps, right? We were supposed to build everything in Safari. J- you know, mm-hmm. jailbreaking dragged him kicking and screaming to the native app model, and I think Objective C is a clear demonstration of his efforts to punish you for it. I
4: love Objective. What
2: do you have against Objective C?
4: It's a beautiful small talk style language. I love it. It hurts. It's just because everything looks like an array
2: to you, right? That's why. (laughs) You said beautiful and small talk
5: in the same sentence. I'm just trying (laughs) to get past that.
3: Credibility. I know. Gone. Down
5: you go. So I I would like to actually see more, more companies take the FT route and, you know, bypass the App Store and and build kind of those experience with HTML5. At least it's not going to be native, but at least it's a way of telling Apple that you have, to give us you have to give us
1: non-Europeans. You have to give us non-Europeans the sort of FT story because I you're assuming a lot. I think.
5: So what, what I'm aware is they had a, an iPad app and they probably had an iPhone app as well. This is a newspaper, right? Yeah. So this is a newspaper in, in London, and um, I mean they they like show stocks and and financial data and that sort of stuff. Okay. So I'm presuming they already have people paying for the paper every week, and then part of that they can just go on the website, subscribe for a month or like. Rolling subscription, yeah, and Apple, I presume, said to them, "You need to get your app off, or we're taking 30 percent, and it's going to be an in-app purchase and that sort of stuff." Yeah, and and that's just the way they Apple work with that stuff, and it's it's not
0: so,
1: good.
5: So, is it because they competed with them? It's, it's just because they want some of that money of the subscribers.
0: So it's basically a free app that has a monthly subscription. So if you oh. need to pay, say, 99 per month.
5: I see. So Apple thirty percent, right? And
2: and Microsoft's got their own set of rules around that. You can't buy stuff through an app on a on a Phone Seven because there's no billing model for that. You can buy the app, but that's the end of it. Everything else through the phone. There's there's no other purchasing models.
4: Well, that's just because like uh, Windows Phone is kind of like iOS 2008, right? Kind of right now. Yeah. No, is it not? They're playing. Wow.
2: They, they, they the have room. they I have stuff it. that. 2008 you know, doesn't seem that long ago, Errol. I think you would been better off if you gone with, uh, you know, well, the iPhone 1.0. Oh.
4: But iPhone only came out in 2007, right? Yeah, I'm and with you. The, yeah. With
0: the iOS 5, they're going to finally kind of catch up on some of this stuff, stuff like native Twitter integration, yeah. Yeah. things yeah. like that. Is straight from Windows Phone 7. So I, saying I, that it's iOS 2006. And I guess, all right,
4: you're right. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird mix. They're
0: yeah, focusing was, on different then, things. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So and yeah. they're pulling in notification that Android has focused on for a long time. So I guess it's almost like seeing things. Aligning in a bit, getting well, the same features that someone gets notifications, yeah, then that. you get yeah. iOS and then you get Twitter and social media integration on Windows phones. Just, and that's competition, right? And that's, that's the coolest thing because Apple definitely needs competition. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, they, what you're describing is a vibrant ecosystem. All of the
5: parties are making each other's products better. Yeah. yeah. And what, I mean, it's like near fail communication. You only have that on Android, as far as I'm aware. We've got so. that happening here, right? Yeah, thing. yeah. Right. <laughs> With that close. Um, <laughs> so you do not have that on any other platform. That's a great technology to have. So it's not going to be long until we see it on the other platforms. But in terms of to take advantage of near-field communication technology, you have to go Android. And no one really wants to, it seems. <laughs> there are reasons for that.
1: At Franklin's Net right now, you can get a DVD with over 11 hours of Billy Hollis on Silverlight 4 or 14 hours of Sahil Malik on SharePoint 2010, each for only $6.95. Order online at www.franklins.net. Are you looking to change jobs? Infusion Development has offices in New York City, Toronto, London, Dubai, and Poland. Infusion has hired a whole handful of Happy.Net Rocks listeners, Contact me for an introduction at carl at franklins.net.
2: The Android product is really interesting. I do want to spend a little time on it because it doesn't feel, you know, they talk about being the most successful one, but it's being driven by the carriers to attack the iPhone. I don't think anyone's paying a whole lot of attention to WinFone 7 so far, no. in, in that in that context at least. But I'm certainly collecting stories of developers that talk about the drawer of broken dreams Right? That each, that each, the same Android phone, two different carriers, the app won't run on one of them. So it's a shattered market.
4: What is Android? Can someone define to me what the Android user experience is? Depends on which phone you own. Exactly. And which carrier you Exactly. Running with. I think Google's biggest mistake wasn't making it open, but losing control of the user experience right. from the get go. You know, you can have open source uh, products where there is a focus on user experience. I mean, take Python as a project you know Guido has 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 uh amazing focus on keeping this language simple for example but it's open but nothing he says doesn't get in
1: doesn't get in and Google didn't do that well one would argue that uh, Google's success with Android is because it's open and it and it appealed to that nerdy sort of aspect of phone developers that just you know that love that openness and that open source, and the, the fact that they can get in there and write their own stuff and put it on their phone. And it, um, don't you think that well, maybe what percentage what, of the population is that? Well, I don't know, but don't you think that that m- the openness may have contributed to its success? What,
5: what would you call success, though? I don't, are you talking about yeah. people with phones that yeah. are on the Android or yes. Yes. people well, who it. buy your app? Yeah, like that's what, that's what I care about as an app developer. People, you know, buying or downloading my application. Yeah, people yeah. with Android devices don't seem to be doing that. They have a lot of people with them, mm-hmm. but they seem to, you know, they download Facebook, they download Angry Birds and then. Nothing else gets touched. Well, we're seeing the other side of open source. They, they are people who don't like spending money
2: on software.
4: Well, And they're being, they're being sold it in that way as well. I've, I've been in two phone stores now where I've, I've overheard the clerk selling Android to someone. And they're like, and unlike the iPhone, most of the apps are free. <laughs> so if you're being sold the phone on that, that you're going to not pay for apps, then you're not going to pay for apps.
2: Yeah, I think it's very much a cultural thing as as well as the Android app store is not curated is kind of a zoo is now threatening to I think a lot of mortals that you know there's been viruses there's been illegal software they've had all of those problems
0: and it could also just be the fact that Android is cheaper right you got Huawei from China putting a pretty cheap Android phone for people that don't want to pay the premium for an iPhone and seeing Symbian as not a good alternative well let's be
1: real here I don't think the the developers that listen to this show are sitting around wondering how they can do the next Angry Birds. Maybe they are, but that's going to be a very few people of the millions of developers out there. Do you understand?
0: Yeah, that, that's the way I see it. It's like app development is almost like arts and crafts for guys. Like yeah. we go home after work and we want to right. do something different than enterprise apps. So, right. we, do, so the, we do something, we put it up, maybe we'll earn some bear money. So but the
1: stuff that really matters is business apps. And so where are we going to develop business applications? Are we going to develop them in HTML5? Are we going to develop them in in different languages for native applications? I think there is a success story in Android in that there's so many out there that if you have a business app that you're using with your employees and you don't have an Android solution, you're going to have a problem.
4: But how will it run on the different Android phones? Again... And, you know, how many of those Android phones have been customized by the carrier, for example.
1: Mm -hmm. Or by their users. Or by
4: their users, so that your app doesn't run reliably. And at which point you could just be giving everyone Linux PCs, you know?
1: That's the answer. (laughs) That is the answer. Linux Linux is the answer.
5: (laughs) what What I find is that a lot of kind of big businesses are getting iPads. Yes. And, you know, there's not really any competition there that really excels like iPad does. You can do the complete enterprise stuff. Um, you know, Apple feature enterprise applications on, on their website and say, look at this enterprise that they're building apps All for. Right, I'm going to put my, my IT hat on now. So, cause
2: mm-hmm. I'm vibrating about this yep. because there's a whole bunch of stuff that the iPad cannot do that an enterprise really wants, mostly around okay. security and authentication, validation. You know, there's a lack of controls there because the product was never made for that. It's a consumer product. I understand that.
5: I think there is some enterprise stuff which you can lock down in terms of take iTunes off and all that stuff. You can RDP. You can
1: remote. You can RDP with it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So I think think
5: they do have enterprise stuff, but I think that's – you're not meant to talk about it. That sort of thing, so – well, I, I what I'm
4: seeing a lot of is uh, I'm not an enterprise person at all. You know, I do consumer stuff. Mm-hmm. People, if they like it, they buy it. If they don't, they don't. And there's no politics or anything. So I love that. But the reason I'm here at this conference and the reason I do my course at the people who organize this conference at their venue um, is uh, my, my, the people who attend are all enterprise. And I was like, why are these people taking an iOS course, mm-hmm. right? And and without fail, it's someone's boss who has an iPad going, we need to make something for this, because I love my iPad. right? And, and I think that's a real factor. And yeah. we're seeing people interested in, in iPad and iOS development because of that. Not iPhone, but iPad development. The people who come on
1: my course yeah. are interested in iPad, not iPhone. Well, and there's a whole bunch of Slate computers that are going to run at a shiny new version of Windows very soon. That's yeah. going to be quite an interesting development, don't you think? What do you think about that? I think interesting is the right word. Yeah, okay. How
4: so? Well, again, the same thing. I mean, uh, what, are, is Microsoft going to have control over the hardware and the software? If they can, then they can compete with an entity that has that. That's they the key, key issue of our time and user experience. They certainly have the
1: enterprise market's attention.
4: Well, I'm sure they do. And, and again, we're, we're, we're talking about two very different markets here. Enterprise and consumer could as well be living on different planets. Right. So Microsoft is is hugely successful in enterprise, and even if they fail dismally in consumer, which they are, uh, they they will continue to be hugely successful in
1: enterprise. Well, that's
4: where the money is. Quite possibly. Yeah. There's a lot of non-enterprise people out there
1: in the world too, with purchasing power. Yeah, but the the real money is in business software for for developers. Certainly, am I am I right? Yeah. Am I wrong? How many people think I'm wrong? <laughs> By clap.
2: Not a whole <laughs> everyone thinks yeah. you're right awesome yeah. No, they're 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 withholding their judgment we'll we'll see I mean obviously we've had big wins in consumer software, but uh I think for a steady income business yeah
1: software. well, what I'm saying is there are success stories in consumer software, but there are so few of them compared to the amount of revenue that is generated by business software
4: but I, I think there would be people who are independent developers who are making enough of a living from it, you know not millions perhaps, but enough of a living. Um, and the cool thing about it is they're doing stuff they love. They're not just making forms, you know, the same f-ing form over and over again. I did this o- for some time, and it drains your life,
1: you know. And, uh, and note to I editors, think... you're going to have to get the bleep.wave
4: <laughs> file ready. <laughs> Thank you. So I think it's not just about the money. It's like loving what you do. That's why we do what we do, right? The money is almost, I hope, secondary.
0: And and also what we're seeing is, is consumer electronics moving into the enterprise. For instance, mm-hmm. with the iPad. The boss having an iPad, demanding an app for it. So if Microsoft doesn't hurry up, before you know it, Apple does something to the iPad to make it even more enterprise-friendly. Sure. And it may be too late. And and some of the things they're doing with Slate and Tablet, uh, not announcing how to align phone and Slate slash tablet strategy, it's also something that's a little bit worrying, given how aligned Apple is with iPhone and iPad. Like, same tools, same frameworks, same type of apps, but with Windows Phone, we've got something different going on. So that's and, uh, Errol, I I'd, like hard- your,
2: I'd like your opinion on this as, as well because you sort of blasted past this. Don't you think Microsoft struck a good line with WinPhone 7 having multiple vendors build phones so that there was some choice?
4: No, I don't think so. I, I, I really don't, actually, because, again, they're competing – with a company that has full control over the user experience, full control over the
2: hardware, but, full control over Apple the software. Apple decided that nobody gets a keyboard with their phone. Right. And
4: and that's fine. And the cool thing is you don't have to buy an iPhone. Right. You, you do have choice. And, and it's this, just it's not within the same ecosystem. The, the
5: only so question, my <laughs> <laughs> but The only question I see about Windows Phone 7 is, what's the best Windows Phone 7 to get? When there's only one, it's either you get it or you don't. Whereas if you have a few, you didn't find out which one's the best one and you end up getting one with a keyboard and you didn't want a keyboard or, right. you know, that sort of stuff.
4: And if there's only one, you can concentrate all of your engineering effort, all of your design effort on making that better every time. That's why everyone else is fighting a losing battle. Apple is just concentrated, they're focused, and they're making this one product better and better and better. Where everyone else is going, oh yeah, and we have to make it run on this, and on that one, and on this platform, and on that platform, and oh shit, this it broke here. And, and they can't compete with Put that. your hands on the screen, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah!
0: And one of the products that Microsoft has been successful with in the consumer space is the Xbox 360, which mm-hmm. is competing very well with PlayStation and Wii. But we have is, no choice
4: on that platform. No, exactly. I'd like they to get like a Nokia Xbox. Exactly, that'd and, and, be great. And,
0: and the whole Nokia thing is that a sign of Microsoft kind of like realizing that they need to be tighter with the hardware, first starting with kind of like a, a partnership with one of the cell phone manufacturers. Maybe they're kind of like slowly starting to realize that you need to not only do hardware, but you need to do software and hardware together. Like Nokia. Or, or by Nokia, like the rumors are saying. Not that old rumors, but of course, there's a reason for those rumors, and that's because people probably expect them to have... And, some kind of and the thing
5: with the Xbox is... It failed because it kept having Red Wings of Death, right? But people kept buying them because it was it was a great piece of hardware and it, software. Still cost, it still costs it cost Microsoft a billion
2: dollars to deal sure. with Red Wing of Death. Like it's yeah. a long time. They're making more money on the online service than they've done on the hardware. Yeah, but uh, you know, in, in in some ways, I feel like Xbox is very much like the Google phone in the sense that you know Google's not making buckets of money off of Android, but they spoiled the market. Mm-hmm. And Xbox, they didn't make buckets of money on Xbox, but they spoiled the market. You know, nobody's going to build another video game machine now. It's it's saturated. Although the, that, that was probably
4: Google's intent initially, not not essentially to make a great phone or grab great platform, but to spoil the market.
2: Right, spoil the market in the sense of it's you know not a huge profit center. Not you know, this is not Google has a remarkable inability to make money off of anything other than search. You know. It, you know, you think they would have capitalized on this more. And I feel like they made the same mistakes that Microsoft made with Winmo 6 and 5, right? It's just the market shattered. There's too many products, and and it isn't one market. It's many markets.
4: I think, if anything, they've really helped Apple by giving them good competition. You know, it's like it's like a sprint, like when you're running, and if you have to run against someone who's good enough or who's almost there mm-hmm. so you keep pushing yourself faster. So yeah. I think they've actually been beneficial.
2: I, I tend to agree. I also think that HTC, Samsung, LG, Acer, Dell—all of them innovating on phone products can outrun Apple. Apple is only one company; they are not immortal. Certainly, Steve's not immortal, and we're—that's uh, harsh. But if we're running up against the reality of it, which is you know, you guys have to keep innovating, and you've narrowed your scope. I think Microsoft was fairly wise to incorporate more design opportunities.
4: I think the best thing they did was narrow it down and have standards and have, you know, say you can't just do
2: anything you want to. I think they picked a middle ground. It's not only one. It's a few, but with very high bars. So that the development process is similar all along, but there is some choice. Somebody's going to make a 12 megabyte camera for their phone. It's crazy, but somebody will want to buy it. Apparently that nutty HTC phone with the speakers that pop out is a top seller. It's the dumbest phone I've ever seen. But they sell buckets it. of them. i it...
1: uh, just waiting for a subwoofer. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> this one's got a subwoofer. Oh, really? A subwoofer. Mm. Beer holder. That's what you need. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, is it about that time? Bubble. That's about that time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for coming. Big hand for our panel. And don't let the bastards win. We'll see you next time on .dotnet Rock. .dotnet <laughs> Rocks is recorded and produced by Plop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services at www.dotnetrocks.com.
0: by